Do you think we should talk about Seasons of Belief, Brad? It might be too scary. It might even be dangerous. Yeah, fuck it. What do I have to live for? Also, Merry Christmas. It's blackface. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Uh, let's rock indeed. Mm-hmm. Welcome to 1000 Wives of Weird, our Christmas spectacular. You guys just barely dodged the bullet of Billy and I recreating the Bing Crosby, David Bowie skit. <laughs> I that thought... preceded Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy <laughs> mashup. I thought you were going to say you just do- you almost dodged the bullet of us watching Porn Dogs. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the magic bullet, like in the JFK assassination. <laughs> Because that's going to turn around and hit you when you least expect it. Right, right. The porn dogs is the is the sword of Damocles that hangs over this podcast. Yeah. One day it will fall, and then we'll be successful with the porn dog enthusiasts. Most listened to episode of the last podcast. <laughs> so look forward to that. Yeah. Most successful episode of the previous iteration of this podcast. But it's our Christmas spectacular. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be talking about two Christmas special episodes of television. Yes. The first being Bewitched, the season seven episode. Season seven. Oh, sorry. Uh, thir- yeah, 13th episode of the seventh season. 213th episode overall. An episode called Sisters at Heart. Yes. And the 11th episode of the third season of Tales from the Dark Side mm-hmm. called Seasons of Belief. This is actually, both of these are the only episodes of each of these shows that I've ever seen. Really? I've never seen another single episode of Bewitched, and I've never seen another single episode of Tales from the Dark Side. I've seen quite a few episodes of both. I know you have, so I'm, I'm hoping that you can fill me in on whether or not these episodes are typical, uh, or feel typical of their series. I can do that to an extent. Okay. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time recapping either of them. No. But before we get into them, we are going to do our usual thing where we're going to give you a recommendation on yes. whether or not you should watch it so you can go experience these for yourself. And we should probably give both recommendations right up front so they don't yep. have to skip around. So, Billy, would you recommend Sisters at Heart and or Seasons of Belief? Well, I'll start with Sisters at Heart since that's what we're going to start with. Bizarrely, yes. Uh, we were we We knew we were going to do Seasons of Belief. Yes. We did not know what our second episode was going to be, uh, because I did not grow up with a whole lot of really crazy, bizarre, uh, weird Christmas special episodes. Neither did I. I had to seek them out. Right, exactly. So so we were seeking them out. We were on Google and looking up looking weird Christmas different specials. Lists. And we found what sounded like the craziest shit in this episode of Bewitched. In one of the later seasons, which is about race, mm-hmm. should we say a little bit about what the plot is? Or? Sure, and let's. If you're not familiar with Bewitched, Bewitched was a 1960s television show. It was a sitcom in the same vein of all those other gimmicky sitcoms like uh, I My, Dream of Jeannie, My Favorite Martian, yeah, stuff like that. Where Elizabeth Montgomery played a character named Samantha, who was mm-hmm. a witch, and she was married to a human, played first by Dick York and then by Dick Sargent. Right. And his name was Darren. His name was Darren, yes. And every episode is usually 
we can't let anybody know that Sam's a witch and she's doing magic and crazy stuff is going around the house. And yep. how are we going to keep this from the nosy neighbors? Right, exactly. And so in this episode, uh, I guess by this point in the series, they had a little girl who also had magical powers. Tabitha. So I'm guessing that most of the problems at this point in the show were actually Tabitha doing the magical stuff. Yes. Because you can explain away a little child doing them more easily than an adult. But this episode does contain blackface. It does contain blackface. And the minute we heard, oh, Bewitched is trying to tackle racism and it has blackface in it, this sounds horrible. Yes. Let's go. Let's check this out. Let's see what mischief, what terrible racial shenanigans what terrible racial shenanigans. Uh, Bewitched was up to and, in 1963. And then we watched it and... My God. It's actually kind of good it's adorable and we're going to get into the backstory behind how that episode came about and the backstory makes it even better yes there is something true and beautiful and charming about Mm. the story the way that they chose to bring the message about is still problematic and deserves to be called out yes the pure good intentions and the 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 genuine good wishes of everyone involved in the production can be felt through the screen. Yeah. And I actually felt myself at the end of the episode feeling warm inside, like feeling like charmed. And I was not expecting that going into this episode. I I was also very surprised by this episode. It was written by a group of black high school students. Right. Which kind of changes our perspective changes the perspective of why this happened right Um, like it's 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 not a bunch of white people in a writer's room being mm -hmm. like we understand this we're gonna do this it's we're gonna put them in blackface and even if it was at the time it wouldn't have caused a stir but right looking back now it it sort of like is okay this came from black creators yeah um yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. It's it's an interesting thing. And Seasons of Belief, Billy. Seasons of Belief. This this was an episode that you have been hyping up to me for a long time. This is my favorite Christmas episode of anything ever. And like the last episode of a random uh, anthology series you had me watch Cigarette Burns, I fucking loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I feel like even more than Seasons of Belief, I don't want to spoil what happens in this episode. Oh, absolutely. Uh, at all, like anything. Uh, uh, I, I'll say it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, definitely, it's hard to find. It's very hard to find. unless I mean, unless you're willing to buy the whole series on DVD. Yes, which uh, I don't even know if it's currently in print, so you might have to buy it at an incredibly high markup. Yeah. Um, it's not the most popular anthology series ever. No, it's not great. But this episode is the most ama- one of the most amazing 20 minutes of television I've ever seen. It's so good. It's, it's, God, it's so good. And, like, you don't want to be spoiled for it. You really don't. But, Billy, why don't you start walking us through Bewitched Sisters at Heart. Okay, so uh, should we go into the backstory first? Yes. Okay, so... There's this uh, high school in Los Angeles 
That was my cat knocking over something. Good work, Katniss. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's this high school, Thomas Jefferson High School, where uh, teacher Marcella Saunders was having trouble with her students uh, and their literacy. Mm-hmm. They weren't... They, they were... I, in high school, but they were very far behind in terms of being able to read and being able to write. And she found that trying to get them interested in Shakespeare or poetry and all this other stuff was not doing it. And they were much more interested in television. Uh, so she found out what their favorite shows were, and she reached out to them uh, to see if they could partner up in some way. And, and only, only Bewitched. Bewitched. Only Bewitched got back to them. And she had a, got a meeting... With, uh, is it Elizabeth Montgomery? Elizabeth Montgomery. Okay, I remember her last name, but uh, in the articles I kept reading, they just kept referring to her as Montgomery, so yes. I have a hard time remembering the first Montgomery name. Montgomery Burns. Montgomery Burns. But Elizabeth Montgomery, Montgomery Scott. I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. I'm wiggling my nose as much as I can. Uh, so Elizabeth Montgomery it's met... It's too bad we couldn't have made like a Charlie's Angels of all the great Montgomerys. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Montgomery playing herself. Of course. Uh... James, James Dewan playing Scotty. Of course. And the cartoon, Mr. Burns, Mr. <laughs> C. Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons, Just is also there. All teaming up. Sure, yes. why not? What Could you imagine a more powerful group? <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Name 50. Just setting me up to fail, aren't you? Yeah. All right, well... I think if they can crack the top 50, they're pretty good. Clones of Bruce Lee is definitely on there. Sure. (laughs) But anyway, um, so the idea that they came up with was to have the kids flown out. They paid to have these kids flown out to visit the Bewitched studio where they were making the show uh, and got them super excited about it and uh, got them involved in a project to write their own episode of the show. They worked hand in hand with the producers. They worked, they, de- they delivered the first draft of the script in wrapped up in a present to uh, the bewitched producers. They had the writers work with the kids to correct the episode for television. They promised the kids and apparently delivered that no changes would be made to the kids to the script without the kids' approval. Every one of those kids is credited is is listed in the credits. I don't think I mentioned it yet, but I think you mentioned it earlier. This was a black high school. Yes. Uh, like all all these kids were black, and they said they loved Bewitched because they saw it as an analogy of an interracial marriage, mm-hmm. which is something that was hit upon in the show. That's how Elizabeth Montgomery also quite viewed a the lot. show. Yeah, that's what she saw as, as a show. And I, and uh, they had had previous episodes of the show that had dealt with that, like uh, Dick, or, I'm sorry, Darren, thinking that oh, this is this Halloween decorations that have like ugly witches are fun, mm-hmm. and then Samantha would get hurt. I think I remember seeing that episode as a child, and that's yeah. why I'm not racist. That's why you're not racist because you learned about witches, mm-hmm. it, even in the episode itself. Slight spoiler, but Samantha refers to herself as being part of a minority group. Uh, so they, this was a big deal for them, and this was a big deal for Elizabeth Montgomery and everybody involved in the show. They were so excited. They even had one of the students come in and be the assistant director on the episode. Uh, and uh, apparently going forward after this episode was made, uh, they sent 
shooting scripts from the show to the school, and kids from the school learn to read by reading these scripts. They learn to write by writing this script. It was a huge, incredible, positive force in these kids' lives. That's awesome. That's incredible. And I never knew that about Bewitched. I always just thought it was this silly show. Yeah. Sitcom, yeah. Yeah, it's and it's some still silly thing. Is, but it still was a positive force. Of course. And the episode like if 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 uh if you hadn't told me that this was uh, I knew it was written by uh kids before we yes, watched it. Yes, I knew it. it was written by high school students. But I didn't know the whole story, and I have to say like there are parts of the episode that do definitely feel a little bit juvenile. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's also just the way that shows were written back then. But I it also feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of polish on it because oh, this yeah. feels this has the same tone as every bewitched episode. So, okay then, okay yes, and then and uh, the so so yeah so uh, and the and the episode actually ended up winning a governor's award at the twenty third primetime Emmy Awards in nineteen seventy one, uh, and um, there is there was a review that was published when the seventh season of Bewitched came out on DVD. That says uh, it has a more overt message than many other episodes of the time period. Uh, and says that it's, it's highly ironic that Sisters at Heart today is is most likely to be dubbed politically incorrect and insensitive by some because of the cast wearing black blackface. I would argue against this critic that you should absolutely, even in an episode as heartwarming and uh, authentic and feel good as this point out when somebody fucks up yeah and, and the pr- the point and and my thing that i'm going to hit on repeatedly in this episode why didn't because there are the blackface comes from characters turning black through magic in yes. the episode why didn't you just get black actors to stand in because that costs money <laughs> true but it, that costs money. It costs you less dignity. <laughs> it costs less money. Oh, That's the bottom line. Okay. That is always going to be the bottom line. That's true. That's a very good point. I <sighs> A wig and makeup is a lot easier than hiring a whole ass actor. Even <sighs> if they're just doing extra work. Right. They're doing featured extra work. Yep. Yep, they are doing featured extra work. And I believe money, because... I'll bring it up later. Sure. They were already saving a lot of money this ep- this season, because apparently this episode was one of the only episodes this season that wasn't a uh, just a wholesale script from an earlier season they repurposed. Really? Seriously. Yeah. Well, when, when we first found out that it was written by high school students... Mm-hmm. I believe both of our immediate thought was, oh, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah, I think we did. And apparently, no. <laughs> well, even though the end result was good. Yeah. This is still uh, conscripting, even though, and it was for a good reason. Yeah. They still were like, I don't know that if in the halcyon days of Bewitched. Sure. When the scripts were really cracking. <laughs> that they would have like done this high school thing. I don't know. 
I, I have no idea. Again, not familiar with Bewitched. This has been my first experience with it. Just my... Frankly, good experience. Yeah. Mm. Might as well become a super fan like your dad. Yeah, exactly. You can bond over this. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason I know... You guys can write fan fiction together. This is the only reason I know anything about Bewitched is because recently I found out my dad is a huge fan of Bewitched. And he bought the complete series. Although, just before we recorded this episode a couple days ago, I called him just to touch base, and I was like, how's Bewitched going? And he was like, oh, I, I don't know where those DVDs got to. I'm watching Seinfeld now. So he's already moved on. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was going to like tell him, Dad, you should listen to this episode. And he's like, oh, I'm watching Seinfeld now. Your dad just dropped it somewhere like a fucking toddler yeah, and just he, he shambled just, away. He just shambled away, started watching Seinfeld. <laughs> Hi, Dad, if you listen to this. This... Uh, well, at the beginning of this episode, we're given a modern rating up in the corner. It's rated all with a warning for blackface. <laughs> it's good that they warn you. Yeah. Because... I still wish... When it does come, it comes hard, it comes fast, yeah. and out of fucking nowhere. I still wish, and again, this would take effort and money and time on someone's part. Yeah. But there were like a few... like. Uh, Title card screens, like, giving some context and background about the genesis of the episode. They originally had Elizabeth Montgomery come out and say, this is a very special episode. It was written by the students of such and such a classroom mm. and such and such a school. And at the end of the episode, she gave a big thank you to them for, for all their hard work. And I really legitimately wish that that was still around. Yeah, that would be nice. Like, we can save cigarette commercials from Rod Serling, but we can't save uh, a heartwarming uh, special episode introduction from Elizabeth Montgomery. Well, maybe Elizabeth Montgomery should have been a man. If she wanted her <laughs> cigarette commercials or whatever the fuck you're talking about to still be around. When you get, what I'm talking about is when you get the Twilight Zone DVDs, they have Rod Serling selling his cigarettes. No, I'm doing a bit. Oh, I, okay. I, I get it. Okay, sorry. But yeah. Uh, so the episode opens with a Christmas tree that looks so traditional, I'd forgotten it, it, I, I'd forgotten how traditional Christmas trees used to look. It's just buried in tinsel. Yep. Tinsel was the 60s equivalent of glitter. It yeah. was everywhere. Uh, tinsel was Christmas jizz, and <laughs> the tree was bukkake. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's just absolutely covered in white. You see Samantha talking to her kids, and it reminded me of of uh, other '60s shows and how they would introduce kids after a while. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the thing that they used to do, like Pebbles and Bam Bam. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm not f super familiar with the way that the universe of Bewitched works. So why do they have to keep the magic secret? Is it just because Darren is being a dick about it? Or is it like some sort of Hogwarts rule where they get thrown into Azkaban if they reveal the existence of witches? I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I think it might just be a thing of like... If people find out she's magic, it'll cause problems. Maybe they'll experiment on her. Maybe they'll kill her. <laughs> oh, okay. She's like Alf. She's like Alf. Okay. Fair enough. So, yeah. So, she's telling her daughter, make sure you don't do any magic at all while we have our visitors over. And uh, they never really explain it. They just kind of, like, let it happen. For some reason, this little girl uh, from a uh, black family, the Wilsons, mm. uh, is coming over to visit. Her name is Lisa, and she and 
Tabitha, uh, the, the daughter of this family, are bestest ever friends. Best friends ever. And uh, they they really want to be sisters. In mm. fact, Tabitha really wants a sister in any case because she hates her little brother. Yeah. Uh, I assume that when Tabitha and her little brother Adam are not on screen, Tabitha is torturing that child. <laughs> I that mean, babe in arms. If, if you're a little kid with magic powers, I don't yeah. see how you don't turn into the cornfield kid from the Twilight Zone. Second Twilight Zone episode... Uh, reference of the day, not my last. So the family that shows up, it's it's the Wilsons. I also want to point out something. Yeah. Before the Wilsons show up, Darren is talking to Tabitha and yes. Sam, and his energy is so bullshit. I fucking hate Darren and his bullshit <laughs> energy. What 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 specifically about his energy? Because I was really put off when he entered the scene too. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Just like. There's something there's something, there's something about Dick Sargent's face. Yeah, there's some like barely contained mania. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point later where his eyes are going fucking nuts. Oh yeah. No, I know I think I know what the moment you're talking about too. I, and it's like he he looks like he's about to pop out of his, his his skull is about to pop out of his face. Which is crazy because his performance is very bland. His performance is very bland. He's very sort of like leave it to beaver fa- father sort of thing like he, but he but he has this fucking like uh I don't know this crazy like he Klaus Kinski like was, was this Dick Sargent this is Dick Sargent Dick Sargent the Klaus Kinski of 60 sitcoms yeah holy shit like that's the Justin, best thing I've heard all week but just in his face <laughs> just, just in his, his face just in his eyes and like the line of his mouth. The line. His his is, mouth. Like uh, he. I hope. And just his skull. Like he. This I, man's skull axe. I hope he's not still alive because I hate insulting people like this. But like his mouth. He looks like a ventriloquist dummy. Here's the thing: is he's not an ugly man. No, no, he's not. It's just there's something about he him. Has it's that's like terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> it's like he went through some eldritch ritual where he swapped skulls. <laughs> and the skull he got is all magically fucked up. I think that happened to Mads Mikkelsen, too. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's more Mads Mikkelsen intensity because he's... It's, 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 no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with Klaus Kinski. But yeah, Darren's energy is just bullshit. There's something most of wrong the time. With it. Yeah, there's something wrong with Dick his energy. York was the better Darren. Okay, I know everyone has their own their own opinion on Dick. Yeah, everyone does. Everyone, ev- everyone, everyone who watches the show has when their you're own opinion born, on Dick. You're assigned an opinion on Bewitch. <laughs> it's one of those laws that just never went off the books. <laughs> what What if I change my opinion on Dicks? Well, you can't. <laughs> But anyway, um, so uh, the family shows up. The dad I immediately recognize because he played Lieutenant Boma in an episode of Star Trek, the Galileo 7. Okay. I just immediately recognized him as, oh yeah, because I, I like him in that episode. He's pretty cool. And um, he's the dad and he's he's cool here too. But they, they show up and uh, they introduce Lisa and here's my biggest complaint with this episode, is that uh, the this family should have been brought back. Yeah, that's the biggest problem, is because 
there's so much talk between Tabitha and Lisa, like, oh, we're best friends, we're sisters. And the actors are kids. They're not good, but there is chemistry no, there. They there seem is, like yeah. they're having fun. And I like their friendship. Yeah. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I could be completely fucking wrong about this. Okay. But I believe the way TV, like, royalty payments work. Okay. If you come up with a character and oh, that character right. is reused... You're absolutely correct. The creator of that character gets paid. That's entirely true. You're right. So they would have to pay out to all of these school kids. Man, they were just cutting costs every which way with this show. Yes. What were they spending on it? Pennies? I, I don't know. Jeez, I was I remember being surprised that there's a composite shot at the end of the episode. I was like, how can you afford that? <laughs> but yeah, no, but you're absolutely right, because that's why in Star Trek Voyager, the actor who played Tom Paris played another character in TNG with the exact same personality and backstory, but they changed his name in Star Trek Voyager so they didn't have to pay mm. the original writer of that episode. But uh, yeah, so... Uh, Lisa is, the first thing I, my first impression of Lisa was, she is written to be extremely prim and proper. Yes. Like, she is uh, polite to the, uh, to the point of absurdity. They are going very far out of their way to be like, aren't they so well spoken? Yeah, yeah, they are. And, and that, that still, that made me think of that, again, this might be like a white person thing. Yes. Uh. Again, it was written by these black kids, yes. but like there were and they adult... approved the changes, and it but there were yeah s- uh, professional screenwriter hands in there, right? And there was it was very important, I'm sure, in the '60s television to make sure if there were black people on screen, mm-hmm. make sure they talk white, uh, because unless unless you're uh, on. Um, Red Red Fox what was it? What was the show he was on? Sanford and Son. Unless you're on that Sanford was the and 70s. Son. Oh, that was the seven. Well, that explains it. A guy that I referred to in my notes to as the old white guy. I yeah, I don't remember. He's Darren's boss. He's Darren's boss. I don't recall his name. Neither do I. I didn't ever catch it during the episode. And sort of looks I like didn't... an older Howard Sprague <laughs> from Andy Griffith. Sure, and I, I guess I never just never bothered looking it up. But yeah, the old white guy comes in with with, Mr. with the family, Mister Boss, and uh, yeah, it really sucks that this family doesn't show up in any other episodes because it it ends up making the relationship between these two families and the fact that they spend Christmas together a little hollow. Oh yeah, but for some reason the the but that's also how sitcoms work. That is how, especially back in the day. Mm-hmm. So the couple is uh, going out of town for some reason. Uh, they are apparently at least on the way handling some sales thing that the husband needs to to deal with. Keith, the husband. Larry Tate is the boss's name. Larry Tate. Okay, is that the character's name or the actor's name? That's the character's the, name. Okay, Larry. Larry Tate. And Larry Tate is like, okay, so, so you, you're going to go on this trip and you're going to get this uh, sales job handled. And meanwhile, Darren's going to stay here and he's going to deal with the Brockaway account. There's then a line that doesn't make any sense, but it's just there to set up that this episode is going to be about race. Yes. Where Larry Tate says, Mr. Tate says, wow, if you land this account and you land this account, we really will have a white Christmas. And, and Keith Chris, says, he says, watch it. And it's yeah, like, it's fucking meaningless. It's meaningless. Like the only thing that I can take from it is the amount of money they'll make from this deal will turn into so much blow that they will be having 
an incredibly white Christmas. I mean, his his fucking re- my what was more like to Keith's reaction where it's like that that's definitely a screenwriter joke where it's like oh yeah this is meaningless but because he's black and someone said something about white he's right. asked to say watch it watch it but uh, then we get the cartoon intro to Bewitched yeah and I wish they had made Dick Sargent keep Dick York's cartoon that would have been fucking hilarious but yeah so the the, the intro was created by Hanna Barbera by the was way. it yes it was it was animated by Hanna Barbera and so was the ending credits. And I think people remember the intro more than they remember the show. I've certainly encountered the image of her from the intro way more than I've ever seen pictures of Elizabeth Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I, even the poster for that Will Ferrell movie, which I'm assuming was bad, but I've never actually seen, uh, reference the intro with them sitting on a broomstick. By the way, uh, I, I thought so, but I wanted to check. Dick Sargent was in the MSD3K spoofed movie... Parts the Clonus Horror. Oh. <laughs> and was also in Teen Witch playing a character named Frank Miller. Oh, weird. I can only assume based off the real life Frank Miller. Right. Who would, of course, appear in Teen Witch. Dad calls uh, Mr. Brock, Mr. Brock, or Mr. Brockaway calls him, I think. Mm-hmm. And they they start talking about uh, the fact that he's he's bringing layouts and stuff. I don't really know what Darren does. I know he's an advertising executive. Yeah, that was just a '60s thing where it's like I work in an ad agency. That's a now thing. Every, well, true. Everybody in any dumb movie that nobody gave a shit about works in an ad agency. So it's always can, been the laziest thing. To it's possibly the laziest do. thing. But I don't know like what he's selling to. It's apparently a million dollar contract or something. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Mr. Brockaway owns a toy company. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes uh, we see Darren's work. Some most times we don't. Okay. I mean, I'm I, I just didn't understand what the deal was, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It's it's the sitcom MacGuffin. It's 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 the business thing. It's we need the to business business. Thing. Yeah. So uh, he sell. So he's he's gonna to bring these contracts and these layouts and everything to Mister Brockaway, but Mister Brockaway has some weird hangups about business. Mm-hmm. He insists that before he buys from anybody, he has to, or before he sells his advertising maybe to anybody, he has to stalk them personally. Yes, he has to go be a creep. He has to be a big old creepy pants. And so, he talks like a creep. He talks At like one creep. point he goes, from two until four o'clock. <laughs> exactly. No, he talks like a stereotypical old white man bad guy. And he and he he like has his his old secretary make him warm co- warm cookies and milk, mm-hmm. or warm milk and cookies I should say. No, he's he is set up right from the beginning to be a weird creep. And here's where I noted that because we know going in about the plot and the bl- blackface and that this character is a race going to most likely be a racist, right? Which uh, the audience at the time would not have known. We, we know, know we know that the problem is going to be the black girl in his house. We know that. Yes. Uh but other than that, this setup is typical bewitched where it's like mm-hmm. some outsider is going to be snooping around the house and they might catch Sam doing magic. Right. Exactly. No, it's it's super um I'm sure it's it's super classic bewitch and it's classic sitcom too. Like other than the fact that we have a non-white family True. in the episode, oh yeah, sitcoms are feels, all incredibly contrived. Yeah, it feels like just any other episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show so far. 
which is my main in with 60s sitcoms. The only 60s sitcom I really watch on the regular is The Addams Family, and that's very atypical for the time. But, uh, so yeah, so Samantha and Tabitha, Samantha, Tabitha, and Lisa went to the park. They come back. Samantha and, uh, I'm sorry, Tabitha and Lisa are coloring in their coloring books, and Samantha is cooking in the kitchen. Tabitha accidentally colors a girl's face green. Uh, because she's not so good at coloring inside the lines. She's a real fucking stupid child. She's a real fucking stupid child. She can do magic, but she can't color inside the lines. Uh, Tabitha. Tabitha! How dare you, Tabitha. And so she asks Lisa to color her girls, because they have two identical coloring books, color her girl's face green too, so those two girls can be sisters, because only girls who are the same color can be sisters. Which is apparently something that they heard some girl in the park say to them when they said that they were sisters. And here's where I'm going to put Tabitha on trial. Okay. Because Tabitha goes back and forth on whether she believes this girl or not. Yeah. Because after she tells this story, she's like, she was a dope. It's like, well, why, why'd you fucking believe her then? If she's a dope, you little dumbass. Why is this now become part of your personal philosophy? If it came from a dope. And then as they're leaving to go play in Tabitha's room, Mm -hmm. Tabitha turns to Lisa and says, remember, we're sisters no matter what. Right. Which is a lesson that has not been established yet. Which is a lesson that has not been established, and apparently a lesson, as we see going forward in the episode, she has not learned. No. I went back and forth on despising Tabitha, because that child is... (laughs) That child is such a terrible actress. Oh, she's awful, yeah. Which is not her fault. No, she's a tiny child. She's a child. Yeah. It's the 60s. They don't give a shit about child actors. So no, they're they just don't. like, you're cute. Get the fuck in front of camera. Can you mumble? Can you gibber out some lines? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, the only. I, I'm, I'm remembering another 60s sitcom that I've seen now. The only good child actor that I've ever seen from a 60s sitcom was Ron Howard in The Andy Griffith Show. Yes. And and he was actually pretty legit. Oh, he, he was fantastic. Yeah. Granted, well, when he started out, he might have been near Tabitha's age. When in the, in the earliest episodes, he was more close to Tabitha's age and his acting was pretty bad. But he got he got better over the years. Like, he, he got really good. But yeah, um... So, Tabitha almost lets the magic secret out of the bag twice Mm. during the the conversation. And Samantha avoids the problem by uh, telling Tabitha, you have to come up with me and check on your brother. We'll leave Lisa here so she can go upstairs and use magic to to beat the shit out of Tabitha for a little while. And here's some more contrived sitcom bullshit. Right. Where, of course, Mr. Brockaway shows up. And, of course... This child who does not live in this house right. answers the door instead of calling up the stairs, Mrs. Stevens. Right, and has not apparently been taught stranger danger. Yeah. Uh, which I've heard of the talk that black parents have to have with their kids about cops. Mm-hmm. I would assume that they would also have a conversation about don't open the goddamn door because my parents had that conversation with me. Yeah. And we we're privileged as hell. Then again, it was the 60s. That is true. Yeah. You have all Much those... more carefree time. Uh, I can't imagine that it was for black people. True. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some footage where there were not good times with dogs. There were some not good times with hoses. But yeah, so Brockaway sees a black girl in what he assumes to be a white person house mm-hmm. and immediately assumes that she must be the child of the maid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this conversation is so racist. <laughs> 
intentionally. Yeah, intentionally. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the show. This is a well. This is actually a pretty well written conversation. Yes. And Brockaway is a pretty well written racist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's this sort of back and forth thing where after it is established that Lisa's not the child of the maid. And she quite, I, I hear a, a, a tinge of pride in her voice when yeah. she says, my dad's an advertising executive, asshole. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I liked Lisa's acting. You, you yeah. didn't think that she was a good child actor? I thought she was pretty on on, uh, on I thought point. she was she was she was fine. She for kicked what the shit out doing. of Tabitha. Yeah, but she was also older than Tabitha. Well, Tabitha's a fucking series regular. She should be. <laughs> she gets regular practice. She's white. She gets the job anyway. Lisa had to had to audition for her one thing. Tabitha got on the on the thing because she was just a some cute little blonde haired white kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lisa had to fight for it. But. Uh... So after it's established that Lisa's not the child of the maid, Lisa, through contrived sitcom childhood dialogue, mm-hmm. makes it seem like she is Darren's daughter, and she yeah. is sisters with Tabitha and her, because yeah, it's and then just... she's and she says, and then Brock was like, so I assume that you take after your mother then. And she says, oh, yeah, my daddy says that I look just like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says that she has a sister, Tabitha, who doesn't mm-hmm. share the same skin color as her, but we're still sisters. Right. And she has a little brother. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mr. Brockaway, uh, of course. His a, monocle flies out. His, his cummerbund rolls up. Oh his my bow tie God. spins. Oh, my God. It's like, and yet, <laughs> i got to get out of here. <laughs> orthodox. And yet, still a boner. Yeah. But he uh, then, he's like, oh, I, I think I get a pretty good idea what goes on around here. And uh, runs on home to mommy for that warm milk and cookies. Or I assume... Uh, a bowl of Fruit Loops and a glass of milk that he eats separately. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but so I just wrote Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a commercial break, and as we after, as we come back, Lisa uh, accidentally dumps a whole bunch of white paint on mm-hmm. her nice dress. Which, uh, Samantha, don't let the kids who are over here in their nice clothes play, play with, with the paint. goddamn yeah. paint. Like, if you knew it was going to be a, a finger painting day, don't also send your kid on, over in the nice dress. on top of carpet or on any top, surface yeah, with no yep, newspaper exactly. laid down. And Lisa says, if you close your eyes, I'll clean it for you, but it's a family secret. She uses magic to clean the dress. The magic in Bewitched Land is done by a nose twitch. I, I thought that Lisa just, like did her hand she might have because the child actor might not be able to do the nose twitch she might not but elizabeth montgomery always does a a nose twitch yeah and a little ding 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 yeah ding 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 uh but yeah so uh tabitha cleans up her dress with magic but as a result of that somehow she accidentally also turns lisa white and my note was Oh shit! She turned that child white because I was prepared for blackface. You're not expecting white face. I was white not face. prepared for any uh, for a black child to be turned into a white child. And she literally the makeup looks pretty much exactly like 
the Eddie Murphy white man, secret white man sketch from <laughs> SNL. Like it's, it's that, it's that bad. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. They, they put a blonde wig on her and, and just like painted her white. Oh my God. It comes so right the fuck out of nowhere. Yeah. It was a, it was a fucking blindsider. Oh my God. And so I don't, Oh my God. And so Lisa realizes that something's fucking up. Lisa realize, yeah, Lisa's like, wait a second, my hands are white, you know. And Tabitha's like, well, I guess we're sisters now. Yeah. And uh, she uses that as an excuse to immediately spill the family secret. Right. Which because... is that she's a witch, which she delivers in this very quick-paced monologue. Yeah. That and en- that is horribly delivered. Horribly. That it, ends with a horrible delivery of. It feels like a, a like a, almost a Wes Anderson movie delivery, where yeah. like there's no emotion in it at all. Well, it's just. I think you ought to know our family secret. We're witches. You're witches. Yeah, we're witches. Like that I mean, sort of thing. Un- completely unintentionally, but literally yeah. it's just this shitty child actor who's been given a block of text to learn. <laughs> and she can't deliver dialogue to save her anyway. Life. No, so she, can't. she just delivers it in this sort of robotic monotone. But it ends with her very flatly saying, I'm a witch. That yeah. made me laugh out loud. Oh yeah, it's pretty funny. And uh and the and the and and Lisa, of course, takes us at face value. Mm-hmm. She has to. She's white now, <laughs> and she says, uh, "So do you you ride around on broomsticks?" And she says, "No, that's just a that's just an ugly stereotype. We don't even have warts. We we just we just she says, like, okay, well, what do you do?" And she said, "Well, this." And she turns her she turns her uh, back to black, and then turns herself black. Yep, tiny child in blackface. They blackface that child. Oh my god. <laughs> Nope, no one no one escapes the uh shoe polish in this. Nobody escapes the shoe polish in this. Wow. And again, I'm I know it would it was to save money. But just get a black little girl. Just get another black little girl. And then like dub her with the other child's voice if you want to, if you don't wanna if you don't wanna pay them for speaking parts. But goddamn, this is some heinous shit. Uh but eventually the kids split the difference. Yes, they decide, well, wait a second, if I'm black, my mom won't recognize me, and if you're white, your mom won't recognize you, I know, cut. <laughs> and uh, is this when it cuts to Darren and Samantha sitting downstairs talking? Yes. And here's what pissed me off. Okay. Is before the girls enter to show off their new look, Yes. which is... Lisa has white spots all over her face. Yes. And Tabitha has black spots all over her face. Which looks like a horrifying disease. Before they come down the stairs and we get the reaction shot. Yeah. Darren is taking a drink of water. I was like, here comes the spit take. <laughs> and no they never spit did, take. No spit take. Why would you take a drink of water right before a comedic reveal right. and not do a spit take? I know. It's, it's, such, a, it's such an obvious setup. But yeah, so right before they come down, uh, Darren has heard from Brockaway, and he says he won't deal with Darren because Darren is not stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Darren, being a dick, that's a double meaning right there. Yeah. Assumes that this is somehow the fault of Samantha's relatives. Yes, who are often around causing trouble. Right, yeah. Uh, I think is was... 
who played uh, Samantha's mother? Agnes Moorhead. Agnes Moorhead. Uh, Orson Well, frequent Orson Welles collaborator, Agnes Moorhead. Good for her. Yeah. And Samantha tells Darren that her entire family is spending the holidays in the 14th century, which was uh, made me wish I was a witch. Because <laughs> that, just casually, you know what, I feel like spending the Christmas season in Victorian London. Yeah. Let's let's head back there as a family. I'm that not, sounds great. I'm not sure where this note came in. Okay. But it could be applicable to any time Darren is on screen. Mm-hmm. Yo, fuck Darren and his bullshit <laughs> energy. Whenever the... Usually, it's only when he's talking to his family. Yeah, that he's like just a fucking dick. When he's talking to uh, Larry Tate or the Black family, mm-hmm. or he's like chiller, right? Uh, except his except crazy for, eyes moment. Except for the crazy eyes moment. But yeah, so he uh, he's blaming everything on, on on her family, and and Samantha's like, I don't even remember Brockaway coming by because of course she was upstairs. Yeah. And then the kids come down with the spots on their face. And Samantha immediately announces, don't worry, Darren, it's not witchcraft, it's wishcraft. I don't understand. I guess it's because they didn't intend to do it, they just did it by wishing. They just needed a reason why Samantha couldn't immediately undo it. It doesn't mean anything. Right. These kids, I I, I put another quote, these kids are so fucking cute. Like, the entire time they have the spots in their face... I have a feeling these kids had a great time on set. Oh, I'm sure. Because they are every every scene they're like giggling together, they're running around. They're they're having a great time. Um uh and again, the actress playing Tabitha can't act. So I have to assume that at least some of this was genuine on her part. Yeah, I'm sure. Lisa can act to a certain degree, so some of hers is probably fake. But yeah, so they uh after the comer- after another commercial break, Samantha explains that Tabitha and Lisa want to be sisters so badly that on a subconscious level, they are not allowing Samantha to reverse the spell. Mm-hmm. Darren, again being a dick, is like, I can beat it out of him. <laughs> you know what's stronger than a wish? A gun! Well, he says, you think I can get through to her subconscious with a good spanking? That's the actual line. And I'm like, oh god... <laughs> But, so yeah, the boss, Larry Tate, he comes back and he says, Don't worry, Darren, I fixed everything. I've invited everyone to a Christmas party at your house without telling you. The office Christmas party is now here <laughs> on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. And the sitcomness just got dialed up to 11. Oh my God. Because, again, because of money, we can't afford another set. No, the entire. This is like. Uh, and also, the rope third. Or rear window. It all takes place in the house. The third act hinges on the Black family. I forget their name. The. Wilsons? Wilsons. I think. Yeah. The Wilsons coming back. Yeah. So it needs to be at their house, but there needs also to needs the to be a big party for some reason. Right. And um, so they, they say, well, we'll have the Christmas party here to show how normal your family is, how stable your family is. We'll show off your kids, to which both Darren and uh, Samantha freak out. Yes. And they're like, oh, this is way too... This is way too too short notice and they're like don't worry i hired a caterer well, the caterers will caterers will do everything the caterers will do everything which of course is a load off of people's mind but at the same time what presumption yeah what presumption? no it's it's just terrible 60s bullshit yeah so brockaway 
super stoked to come. Mm-hmm. And he's he seemed very curious to see them. Samantha, first we have a scene of Samantha thumbing through her Necronomicon. Yes. Trying to do a good spell, and the kids are just laughing at her. Samantha turns to Darren and is like, could we just tell them that I'm a witch? They understand minority groups. Mm-hmm. They, sh- they should understand this. That's really driving home the point yes. uh, of, of, of this episode's existence. Samantha is also a minority, even though it's a minority that doesn't exist and she's blonde and white. Yes. And has blue eyes and is the least melanin of anybody. <laughs> but, you know. Cut to the party is, is in full swing and the Wilsons arrive back. And the mom wants to go upstairs and check on Lisa. Mm-hmm. But Darren says she can't until he tells her something. And he, like, grabs her. Yeah. And he says this in a tone and with a face that would make any mother absolutely terrified. Yeah, no, I was immediately uncomfortable. <laughs> I, is th- this is the bug eyes moment for me. Is this is this for you or is this is that I think that cuz this is where the note comes in. Yeah. Um and it's before Brockway shows up. Right. The fuck is wrong with Dick Sargent's eyes? Yeah. It's like they're slowly but intensely trying to escape his head. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's exactly what's going and on. And my here. my mind mostly because I've been fucking seeing QAnon shit. <laughs> I was immediately like, okay, I'm a parent, and I come home, and there's this business party in full swing, yeah. and I'm not allowed to go upstairs and see my child. Yeah. I'm thinking sex shenanigans. Right, right, yeah. Again, it's the 60s, not the safest time to be black. Yeah. But she just lets it go. Well, she keeps trying to get up, and she keeps getting pulled this way and that. Pulled this way and that, and but uh, she, she never, like... Makes a stink about it. She never's like, hey, I'm going to see my child. She, she's always just sort of like, okay. Again, it's a sitcom. Yeah. She's following the script. Right. And uh, at this point, someone comes to the door, and this time it is Brockaway. And Brockaway has decided to make a big damn show mm-hmm. of how accepting he is. <sighs> He's brought a black doll for Lisa. Yeah. A white doll for Tabitha. Yeah. And a panda for Adam, because he's not sure which side he fell on. Yeah, and because he just happens to come to the door when Darren and Dorothy, that's the name of the the wife, Dorothy Wilson are standing next to each other, he assumes that she is Samantha. Yes. And that they're married, and that is when uh, Darren realizes what the hell is going on, and that for once in his life, a problem wasn't caused by magic, it was caused by plain old uh, racism, which is about as far away from magic as you can possibly get. I feel like I could play devil's advocate. <laughs> but why would you given want to? enough time? Well, that seems to be <laughs> that seems to be the favorite pastime of everybody on the internet these days. <laughs> Just well, actually, but here they're sort of making this show of where like. Because he also says, like, before he departs from Darren and Dorothy, mm-hmm. he's like, I, I, you guys are so brave, yep. and what you're doing might not be accepted now, but someday. And it takes guts. It takes God bless you. Yeah, all this and stuff. They sort of go out of their way to be like, he's racist, but he's a likable guy, and he's almost not racist, maybe. Which they sort of deal with at the end. I 
I didn't take it that way. I I took it, and maybe it's because I'm not. I wasn't looking at it from the perspective of what are they trying to get at. I was just kind of looking at what is this guy doing. Yeah. Um. So for me, it was it was more of a. Is it, it was more of that sort of. Um, trying to think of a good thing it's sort of that that that, that get out syndrome of that yes. sort of white liberal racism as yeah. opposed to the white conservative racism true and like i said th- i think this is intentional and they do call it back at the end yeah no it, it, but uh just for now we'll at least say Brockaway would have voted for obama for a third term if he had given had yes. the chance but anyway uh we then finally get to the message of the episode. They're upstairs, and Samantha's trying to turn the ki- the girls back. And before she does it one last time, the girls say, "But what if we're not sisters anymore?" And Samantha says, "Finally," which she should have said when this was brought up for the, in the first mm-hmm. place back of the coloring book uh, scene. She said, "All that makes someone sisters with someone else is that they share something." Yes. Uh, and since you two love each other so much, that's something that you share and that makes you sisters. Usually being sisters just means that you have parents that are the same, but that is not always the case. Mm-hmm. And be- and uh, she even lays down an implication that because every human shares something with everybody else, everyone is relative to someone else. Yes. Uh, and And all of humanity are connected. Which is a great message. Yes, it is, and it's and it's adorable. But the big twist is yet to come. She, she manages to put the 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 colors right on the right faces once just again before Lisa barges in, or not Lisa, Dorothy barges Dorothy, in. Just before Dorothy barges in with her husband, and they 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 greet the kids, and then they Darren and and Samantha go back downstairs. And just as Larry Tate is telling off Mister Brockaway. Well, Larry Tate first. He's he's telling Mister Brockaway. What happened? And Mr. Brock was like, oh, so it isn't an interracial marriage. Then I'm fine with working with Darren. This guy makes me want to throw up. Anyway, um, and uh, and Mr. Tate does a long and not effective comedy beat where he walks all the way to a mirror, mainly just to establish that there's a mirror in the room, I think. Possibly. And comes back and says... Uh, we don't want your business if you're going to be a racist fuckwad. And the entire episode, they're like, this is a million-dollar account. We yep. need this. We don't want to lose it. Yep. And so it's a big thing that Larry is going, take your account and shove it. Absolutely. Exactly. So, um, by the way, but there is a laugh track through this episode, and it's never believable once. Is is cringy as hell, but I I just put a note there, so I thought I'd mention it. Darren turns to Samantha while Larry Tate and Brockway are having this conversation. He says, "I know that there's normally a ban on witchcraft in the house, but I'm drunk." <laughs> I wish he'd said that. He says, "I'm full of Christmas spirit, or yeah. I'm fill, filled with holiday cheer," which is code for drunk. Yeah, yeah, and he says, uh, "I'm if you see an opening, <laughs> if you see a." An opening, go and for it. My note here is, hey baby, I'm drunk, so fuck with this racist plucks. <laughs> and Samantha's like, okay, and her o- opening comes immediately afterwards. And my, my next note is, 
Oh, fuck. He actually said, some of my best friends are Negroes. He actually said it. And even in 1970... Oh, that's right. This was the 70s. Uh, I, I thought it was toward... We kept saying the 60s. Oh, well. Oh, well. I mean, it's, um, it's still a sitcom that's identified with the 60s. And this yeah. was the next last season. True. Yeah. Um. But even in 1970, that shit was tired. <laughs> yes. Like, it was a joke yes, it was. that far back then. Yeah. Some of my best friends are black people. Some of my best friends are Negroes. And then my next note is, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and what Brad is reacting to is Samantha decides to curse Mr. Brockaway so that he sees everyone as black. And this means everyone and has a terrible... Everyone is in blackface. I was expecting... And this, this is treated a lot less... Of a crazy moment than I was expecting. Yes, I was expecting this to be a much bigger part of the episode. Because when he 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 turns, I was I was expecting it to actually be just like this ending bit. Oh, actually, okay. Actually, personally, but I was expecting more. So I was expect because there are a whole bunch of people at the party. Mm. So I was expecting him. He's he's looking at the boss and he's like, "Well, some of my best friends are Negroes." Actually, I uh, and it cuts back to the boss and the boss is, is in blackface. Didn't bother hi- giving him a wig, no, or Darren or Samantha, no, just the shoe polish. But but he's he's in blackface, and and Brockway's confused. He looks up at the staircase. The leads are in blackface. He's confused. And then I was expecting him to turn to the party. And everyone would turn around and everyone would be in blackface and uh, just have all this comedy music and him freaking out and scream and run from the party. I was expecting like a big thing, but instead he he keeps it in. Yeah. And he walks, instead of looking at the party, he, he just looks at the boss, he looks at the leads. We don't see the rest of the party goers. I guess too much money for boot polish. Bingo. <laughs> and instead, You're figuring it out. I'm figuring it out finally. I hate it, but I'm figuring it out. And he walks up to the mirror that we just established, and he's black in the mirror. Um, and so he says, "Excuse me, I'm I'm not feeling too well or something." And he and he walks out. Excuse me, I think I'm gonna black. I mean, I think I'm gonna black. The uh, the next day, it's it's Christmas morning. Yep. And for whatever reason, the Stevens and the Wilsons are sharing their Christmas. I think it's just symbolic, or maybe oh, yeah, it's or, it's definitely. Or maybe they wanted there's just the, the in universe. Maybe they wanted the kids to sure. to spend the Christmas together. Sure, since they're sisters. Which by maybe. the way, I love the idea that both those two kids wanted to be sisters, but they never once thought we should merge families. We should make or or like uh, we should all live together. They're just sort of like we just really want to be sisters. The rest of it that can all handle itself. I think. Instead of taking the cynical view mm-hmm. that the reason why we never saw these characters again is because of money or yeah. just lazy script writing or the, the medium at the time. Sure. Maybe they died on their way home. Oh, yes. The far less cynical view. <laughs> Maybe they got in a terrible car wreck. Maybe. And that's the only reason. Uh, uh, Maybe at the end, Radar, Radar O'Reilly was supposed <laughs> to burst through... Uh, years before his inception, right, burst through the front door of the Stevens estate and said, "Sure, the Wilson's plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan. <laughs> it spun in. There were no survivors. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> but they're having a nice, nice Christmas morning. They're having a nice Christmas morning, and Mister Brockway shows up. Mister Brockway shows up, and they welcome him. Oh, hold on! Before this, I was wondering if this." 
affliction of Brockaways was permanent. I was, I was, because again, just, if this was the Twilight Zone, this would have been a permanent thing yeah. for him. But apparently, it completely wore off. I wondered if he was just just ran screaming into the night as he went home, <laughs> or he went home to his wife and his wife was black and he killed her. And... <laughs> I was expecting there to be a cutaway at the end where he like goes into the office the next day. And he's like, I had a terrible day, and the old lady who makes him mm-hmm. milk and cookies, was also black, and he would just, like, scream, and the camera would zoom in on his mouth. Jump out the window. He would jump out the window. Yeah, again, tw- I again, most of my 60s television watching is The Twilight Zone. <laughs> but, and The Addams Family, where people also scream a lot. But anyway, so Mr. Brockway shows up at the front door. They welcome him in. Apparently, the curse he experienced, uh, he says, was as good as years of therapy in one night not how that works not how that works I... <sighs> not how that works it worked for him it worked for him i guess but he made it made him realize that he's a racist to which keith uh wilson says racist like that's unbelievable to me as a black man in America. Never have I encountered such a thing. You're a rich white man. How could you be racist? <laughs> Not only that, you're a rich old white man in the 60s. But my uh, my note after Rockway says, I found out I'm a racist. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, dude said it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he, he says, no, you don't understand. Like, I thought that racists were these cartoonishly evil people that were like on the fringes of society, but I am something, I think he says more insidious than that. I am, uh, what does he call himself? I can't remember. Like a sneaky racist? Yeah. Like where he, he didn't even feel that he was racist himself. Yeah. He was, he, he was so good at keeping his racism a secret. He kept it a secret from himself and he wanted to apologize to all of them. Uh, and wish them a Merry Christmas. And then he was just going to leave. But they invite him to stay. And they tell him they're having integrated turkey. Yes. Dark meat and white meat. Yes. and Which is a line that Spike Lee would later use in one of his yes, films. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, so, and then I, my final note was, this was weirdly charming. It was. And it, it ends, was... it ends on, I forgot to mention, it ends on Samantha and Darren kissing, mm. uh, as it pans out in the house, and the, 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 the classic Christmas, uh, special ending... Away in a manger, no shoe polish for his face. <laughs> Little baby Jesus's minstrel show was a complete disgrace. <laughs> I am genuinely surprised with all of the shows that just recently deleted their blackface episodes from uh, the internet. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, Community did theirs, um... Uh, what was the first one to do it? 30 Rock did this. Yes. Bewitched still has this around that nobody was, that no network executive was like, don't, let's, yeah, let's scrub that. I don't think, a, anybody who's still watching Bewitched yeah. is probably hungry for more blackface. <laughs> <laughs> potentially, potentially. But yeah, so, again, it's just, it's, uh, the way it got there was problematic at best. But where they got was a good place. No, oh, yeah. And uh, I I really appreciate that Brockaway was a secret racist because way too often, even now, racists in television have that sort of shine to them where they're like, this is 
one of them. Yes. Not like you, audience. This is one of them. Uh, and audience audiences need to be confronted with the fact that they might be part of the problem. Yes. And because uh, that's the only way we learn to grow is by as as they even say in the episode. Keith Wilson says in the episode, the first step to I to fixing a problem is identifying it. Yes. Uh. So yeah, this was a great Christmas treat for me. It was. It was yeah. surprisingly not batshit terrible. Right, and I think that part of part of what made it work was that it was the kids driving most of the plot. Yes. in my opinion, because like the kids don't know what blackface is. The actors playing the kids probably didn't know what blackface is. No, they just had is. fun in makeup. They just had fun with the makeup, and they probably had a good fun time playing together on set. Mm. So, our next offering. Our next offering. Seasons of Belief. Yes. And again, if possible, please go watch this for yourself. Yeah, this is your final spoiler warning. This aired on December 29th, 1986. Mm. It's the 11th episode of the third season. Yep. And I find it a bummer that this did not air on Christmas Eve. <laughs> that is a bummer, yeah. I wish it would have. Oh. Uh, it was adapted by Michael McDowell from a short story by Michael Bishop. McDowell Ooh. also directed. McDowell also wrote the screenplay for Beetlejuice. Oh, and that uh, kind of makes sense. And adapted uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. Uh, that also kind of makes sense. Now, I want to say this about the Tales from the Dark Side intro. Yeah. Better than about 75% of the actual episodes. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. I, I, was, I know that this show was originally going to be uh, a creep show TV show, but George Romero couldn't get the rights to the name creep show, mm. so he just called it Tales from the Dark George Romero first created this show. Gotcha. And, and I know Creepshow was a collab, famously a collaboration between Romero and King. Mm. The intro to the show feels like the intro of a Stephen King uh, anthology show. Like, yeah, sort of. Like, like, there's lots of, like... like there's, there's to there's, the dark side. There's, like, a covered bridge, trees, and, yeah, you're going... People live in the sun that people. lands, but, but now we're going to see a dark side. Shy away from the sun, dear children. Yeah. Come to the land of the Morlocks. <laughs> I was thinking of, uh, there are a bunch of, We have chuds down here. There are a bunch of underground people in uh, C.S. Lewis's The Silver Chair. Whenever they're asked any question, they they always end their answer with, Many go down, and few return to the sunlit lands. We don't have silver chairs down here. All our chairs are covered in poo. That is the dark side, and these are the tales from that dark side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the opening. Yeah, it's yeah. nice, and they have an outro as well. Yes, they do. Which you can't which have great. these days, because That's it's right. always announcing the next show. It's bullshit. It's Christmas Eve, and we are at the home of family. We are at the home of family family, yes. Family is just finishing a meal. Uh, there's, By the way, I want to point out, there is a train track under the tree, yes. which is one of my favorite TV conventions, the train under the tree. Yes. And it's so cute. Yeah, I love, I love it. Shit. I like to assume it used to happen. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure, but it, it's, just, it's just, they go out of the way to establish this sort of traditional family aesthetic here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I point out the train because it is a plot point later. It is. Yeah. Um... 
family consists of father, played mm-hmm. by E.G. Marshall, mother, played by Margaret Margaret Clank, mm-hmm. Jimbo, who's played by Sky Beardall. Oh, Jimbo, that's perfect. And Stefa, played by Jenna Van Oy. Von Oy. Where do I know E.G. Marshall from? E.G. Marshall was juror number four in the 1975 version of 12 Angry Men. Okay. I don't think I've seen that version. That's the most popular version. Is that the one with Henry Fonda? Yes. Oh, then I have. I just don't rec- didn't recognize him, I guess. Uh, I, I know that he was in the Tommy Knockers miniseries. Yes, he was. But I, I, I even when I saw him in that, I knew I recognized him from somewhere else. So it must be from 12 Angry Men. And Margaret Clank mm-hmm. was an actress primarily known for soap operas in the late 70s and 80s and is currently the president of the Union Psychoanalytic Association and one of its leading practitioners. Oh. Yeah. So she's a psychoanalyst? Yes. Wow. She, Good for her. She transitioned from acting into specifically Union Psychoanalytics. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. Stefa wants to watch A Christmas Carol on TV, mm-hmm. but her parents say that tonight they're going to have an old-fashioned Christmas. Right. No TV, no radio, just no, each other's your company. your smartphones. Exactly. Just each other's company. Right. And again, with the traditional family aesthetic, father is about 70. Yes, and it's super distracting. And mother <laughs> is about 35. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is this is a... This is uh, any given relationship in a Jack Nicholson movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I totally believe Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson can land Michelle Pfeiffer. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Jimbo is immediately obnoxious and oh, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his sneering reply to his father at the idea of an old-fashioned Christmas is, "We're going to wait for some old fat man to get stuck in the <laughs> chimney." And the father says. Oh, that's a wicked thing to say. No, he says that in response to Stefa. Oh, sorry. Who says that there's no such thing as Santa Claus. That's right. Jimbo is the older brother. Stefa's uh, younger, probably right. about eight, nine. Yeah. Jimbo's probably 11, 12, 13. I realize both of the episodes that, we, that we're talking about are very much carried by the children. Yes. Yeah. The children in this one are better than the children in the last one. Yes. But... Still, that's fascinating. Still, I want to punch Jimbo, that little cock. (laughs) Jimbo has enough to deal with in this episode. And that's when Father says, that's a wicked thing to say at any time, but especially on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And Jimbo continues to be a dick. Of course. And Mom tells us, tells the kids, that Santa can flip a switch, and in a month, all their toys will break. If they say that they don't believe in Santa on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And just when she says that... The family is going into the living room, and the model train derails and tears some wrapping paper from one of Jimbo's presents. And there's an explosion of sparks, which I thought was a bit over the top, but... I was waiting for the fire to start. Seriously, yeah. And then Billy Joel would come in, and he'd say, (laughs) We didn't start the fire, and they'd say, Billy Joel, why are you referring to yourself as we? (laughs) Like, I have the E Street band with me, and they say, that's Bruce Springsteen's band. He says, not anymore, suckers. No, the, the the parents would start singing with him. Yes. And pointing at the kids saying, we didn't start the fire, it was you fuckers. You assholes. You assholes. Imagine booking Billy Joel to taunt your children. These, that's, oh, they these would do parents this. Would. These parents would these do parents that. These parents would do that. This par- these parents would arrange for the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> show. 
to just be a giant troll of their children. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Steffa worries that this is Santa's doing. And Jimbo gets to unwrap the present because it's already mostly unwrapped. Oh, and the mom says that blowing up the train was just a warning on Santa's Yeah. yeah. Santa's firing warning shots. Yeah. As a gesture of goodwill. <laughs> but yeah, they get to open that present. And Steffa also gets to open one. Yeah, which opening uh, one present on Christmas Eve was always a tradition in my household. Yeah. And I, I greatly enjoyed that as a kid. And later, to the tune of Good King Wenceslas, which mm-hmm. I think is a very intentional choice because that's a very old-timey Christmas song. I thought it must be a very intentional choice. It it's, was, it's a very it's old-timey Christmas It's such an archaic song. one. Yeah. And again, just establishing a trish, traditional Christmas, a traditional family. Yeah. You got the boy child who's older and the girl child who's younger and precocious. And, yep. Yeah. Uh, dad's yep. older, mom's younger. Exactly. You have you have the family with the what's the at what's the national average two point five kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so mom's cross stitching, dad's just drinking some water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimbo reads. Steffa colors. Uh, Jimbo asks the capital of North Dakota, which his mother answers is Bismarck. Jimbo asks how she knows, and the parents <laughs> immediately begin spinning a fib about mom's great uncle. These parents lie. So easily. Barney the Barracuda Bismarck. Yes. <laughs> Without even thinking, they're just... F- and granted, it's not malicious lies. No. It's just, just funny fibs. Yeah. They're teasing their children. Which my, my parents used to do to me all the time when True. I was a kid. They, they, used to, they used to come up with all these stories. But it's establishing an interesting pattern. It is. Absolutely. The kids say they're bored and Jimbo asks for a story. Mom says they don't know any. Jimbo demands a story. (laughs) Well, Jimbo immediately calls her on her bullshit and says, you guys make up stories all the time. (laughs) And they also say that they refuse a Christmas Eve story. They've they've heard all the Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. stories. I also want to point out that it's mentioned that the book Jimbo has is an atlas. (laughs) This book has no maps in it. (laughs) It is entirely text. I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word atlas. <laughs> oh yeah. For people who can't understand pictures. And then you, the you coast just... goes down and sort of curves a little bit. <laughs> it describes and it. There's, there's yeah. a bump here and then it's, a... then it's down a bit more and then another bump. It's sort of rocky here. Imagine um, a fjord. <laughs> imagine the text transcription of an audiobook of an atlas. This one's sort of bumpy. That's what dumbass Jimbo wanted for Christmas. <laughs> Florida kind of looks like a dick. The parents decide to tell the very scary and possibly dangerous story of the Grither. Which they do not say out loud. They write no. it down on a piece of paper. Again, these parents are fucking devious dickheads. These parents are... We're improv storytellers on a level that they're not. Thomas no. Middleditch would would blanch at. They are fucking con men. Absolutely, they are not improv actors. They are the only people worse. <laughs> con, con men, but um, but because they, Dad writes the name on a yep. piece of paper and shows it to the children. And, and they, they read say it, out it yeah. and he acts like they've committed the sin. Not that they were like, <laughs> no. we should keep this dangerous thing away from you. Yeah, that's the... The oh, parents lie with name. such ease and at a drop of a hat. They say, his, you said his name out loud. That's the worst thing in the world. So the Grither lives in a cave in a mountain 
on the other side of Santa's workshop. By the way, Mrs. Claus's special d- d- uh, dish is lasagna. It was a d- uh, recipe given to her by Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes. The mom tells us. Because mom, mom's the embroiderer, it yes. seems. She likes to add the special spice. Dad's the base man. Yeah. And she's the one who adds the razzle-dazzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives in an old shipwreck. And the grither hates to hear himself talked about. According to mom... That's because he's the only one in the world, and he thinks he's very special. Yes. That doesn't make sense to me. Why not? If I were the only grither in the world, I'd be like, yeah, tell my fucking story. People need to know. <laughs> I, I, I guess, but it, it is like child story logic that they're going by. It's, True. It's, it's fairy tale logic. The grither has great hearing, and mm-hmm. his ears get bigger. Every time someone says his name, yes, Jimbo, being a dickhole, being a dick begins hole. to shout, "Grither, Grither, Grither!" Yeah, yeah. No, he's he thinks this is all some sort of big game, which it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, Jimbo's right, <laughs> but the parents won't concede that. No, they will not because they're terrible. <laughs> By the way, the actors playing the parents do such a good job. Oh, they're fucking fantastic. <laughs> they as... never drop. This sort of like patronizing way that they talk to their kids, and again, it's that that faux traditional, faux wholesome thing where it's like, yeah. parents know oh, best. Oh, be careful, kids! The Even, grither's coming. You don't like, know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And the parents tell them that now the grither knows where they live. Yeah, after all the sim saying grither so many times, and the parents again have purposefully made the kids say the name each time, except yep. for when Jimbo starts to shout it. Right, but even then, they could have predicted that. He and here, that, given he's such a Dick. Here's where the parents cross the point of no return, where Steffa is very scared. Again, yes. it is Christmas Eve. Yes. <laughs> and she asks for a different story, but the parents do not let up. They say, we can't stop, finish the story, or else he'll come. The Grither has fists as big as basketballs, mm. arms as long as boa constrictors, mm. and uses them to grither people to death. Which essentially means squeeze you. Yes. Squeeze you to death. Uh, in the kitchen, a door has blown open. Steph is petrified, and Jimbo continues to be an annoying little twat. Annoying little twat. Here's what I want to point out. One of the brilliant things about this story okay. is that in a lot of Christmas stories, it's the children who are terrible. Yes. The children are the ones who need to get their act together so that Santa will bring them presents. Yes. Here, it is the parents who are unrelenting dickheads. Yes, the kids want to watch TV. <laughs> Jimbo is being an obnoxious, but Jimbo is also like a teenager. Yeah, no, he's, he's gonna be fucking obnoxious. Yeah, he has committed no age. grievous sin. Yeah. Meanwhile, these parents are freely just fucking with their terrified children. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you want to see a movie where the parents and the kids are horrible, Krampus. Yes. Fantastic movie. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. A wonderful throwback to. Back in the 80s when they would make horror films for kids. Absolutely. Here is where we learn that the Grither has his song. Yeah. And again, they they say, well, he sings a song and in the song he describes himself. Which he doesn't. He doesn't. But the song is so fucking awesome. 
Well, they call them on it, and the mom and the dad are... You can see between them a moment of panic. Oh, yeah, they look Again, at each the other. Again, the acting like, is amazing. They're There's like, a moment of panic where they're like, shit, can we pull this off? Oh, we gotta, we gotta do... And their rhythm is... They've been working together so long. Yeah. Con and Roops. Right. Like Wednesday in Shadow. <laughs> they immediately roll with it, and it was like, Uncle Mike heard it. Right. And... Uncle Mike will come back. He's the screw in this. Yeah. But they here's here's where they're fucking here's where they might have started out in like Second City or something. Or uh Groundlings. Right. Because now they do some musical improv where they they do this song. And this song is so fucking awesome and yeah. metal. Do you know the song? Can I, you sing it with me? Uh I I might remember it when you start singing it. Oh, I am the grither. You cannot escape me. For pleading is useless. And so are your prayers. Oh, my God. <laughs> the grither is greedy. For only one thing, to keep you from taking, to keep you from taking, to keep you from taking his name in vain. Holy shit. Oh. <laughs> and they say, well, the other verses are where he describes himself. <laughs> But just... That's so good! That's so fucking amazing. <laughs> Again, a Christmas episode where you were telling one your children, one of whom is already scared to death, yeah. that, oh, but by the way, don't want, bother praying to your God. The Grither trumps your God. Yeah, yeah. And just the idea that the Grither, again, like a god, does not want you taking his name in vain, does not yeah. want you using his name. That's how special he thinks he is. Yes. And they just improved an entire fucking song yep. to fuck with their children. Yep. They are harmonizing at points. They are. Where they are so in sync with each other's rhythms. Absolutely. And again, you, you I, I feel like people listening to this are gonna who haven't seen this episode, which is most people, uh, are gonna be thinking, well, of course they came up with it together. It's written. And like, yeah, of course it's written. I can't express to you enough how good the acting is. Like, yes, where there's there's little hesitations, there's little glances yeah. to each other. The parents sell this yes. so well that you buy that they came up with this so well-written song on off the top of their heads. Again, in my mind, it's not even like, it's just, it's not even just like, oh, this is my joke backstory. It's like, no, these assholes are con men. No, yeah, like, no, this, these, this these, is this is not. This they're is just barely, shitty. They're this, shitty fucking parents. This is barely subtext. This yeah. is this is basically text. And good on these kids. They call bullshit. Yes, but the parents keep adding on. Here's the what they parents know. double down. So here's often. what they know is when the fish is getting away, you gotta pull harder. You gotta pull harder. You gotta pull harder. The grither is as tall as a poplar. Mm. He looks like a road map because his skin is very white and the blue and red veins pop out. The blue is for fear and the red is for rage. And immediately I start thinking of uh, uh, that character from Deadpool played by that actor who calls on fake bomb threats, whatever his name is. Uh, T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller. He's look like a topographical map of Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, I thought of the Pete and Pete episode where Pete has a teacher who's varicose veined. <laughs> Former Aww. roadmap of like Pennsylvania. I love Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete is so fucking amazing. It's... We'll have to do a Pete and Pete episode someday. Sure, we'll do a Pete and Pete retrospective. Uh, and he can use his big ears to fly. And now yes. Steffa really starts to fucking lose it. She's going Gorman and Aliens. <laughs> yes. Game over, Game man. over, Game man. Grither's gonna be here, man. Uh, you always were an asshole, Steffa. <laughs> but the parents the parents finally established the out. Yes. They have to finish the story yep. and that award off the Grither. Right. The phone rings and mom sends dad to answer it as she goes back to cross stitch and the children scream. <laughs> she sets up the out and she immediately begins to tease him this is like fetish shit she's edging their her own children's fear <laughs> and they're like why aren't you finishing the story well the person who started it has, has to, to finish, finish it, it or else it doesn't count and dad's having a very cryptic creepy conversation where he tells whoever's calling mm-hmm. that yes they're all here and this is used as the commercial break yes. cl- cliffhanger. Dad returns, he recounts some of this cryptic call, and he continues the story. There's a pounding at the door. Oh, by the way, uh, the little girl, is when, while they're waiting for the dad to come back, she draws a picture of the grither. It's not uncommon for children to draw their traumas. Right. <laughs> but she draws a picture of the, of the grither. And it looked like a pretty legit Power Rangers monster design, yeah. gotta say. So there's a pounding at the door, mm-hmm. and the Grither song is heard. Oh no. Steffa goes deeper into her fearful madness. The, or, the door opens, and a tall furry figure barges in. But it's just Uncle Mike. Aww. Like someone who's not a psychopath, Dad quickly told Uncle Mike the con... <laughs> Taught him an entire fucking song. Yeah. And Uncle Mike, being also not a psychotic person, said, sure. (laughs) So he sang the song when he came in. Yes. And these kids are losing their shit, probably literally. Uh, And, but yeah, it's just Uncle Mike. And the parents are talking, they're like... And Uncle Mike doesn't really understand what's going on. No. He's just like, sure, I'll fuck with some children on Christmas Eve. Sure, why not? Sounds fun. Uh, and the parents, uh, the, the parents just can completely move on to like greeting uncle Mike while the kids are still like, okay, well he's not the grither, but the grither's still fucking coming, dude. You gotta finish the fucking story. And dad finally tells the kids that the grither isn't real. Yeah. After all, he's as real as Santa Claus and Santa Claus isn't real, is he? Yeah. And so this whole... Whole fucking thing yeah. is really just punishment yeah. for these children saying that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Uh, that's not what I took from it. That's partially what I got from it. I... It felt like this was supposed to be some... There was supposed to be some sort of moral, even <laughs> though there wasn't. My my takeaway from it was just that they they were messing with these kids because kids trust their parents and it's fun to... Fuck with people who trust you implicitly. Oh yeah, this is definitely a story about terrible parents, but it yeah. also feels like, again, going with the idea that this is a Christmas story, uh-huh. that this is wholesome and traditional, the idea that there's some moral value, that moral lesson that comes inherent in stories like that. Sure. Where that is supposed to be a part of this, 
But there is none. It's no. really just these parents being fucking awful on Christmas <laughs> Eve. I, I gotta say, I, I'm not sure if I judge the parents quite as harshly as you do. Uh, I, I understand where you're coming from. My dad did stuff to this like this to me all the time. Well, I didn't interact with my father much. But yeah, my my mom had after he showed us the showed me the Terminator for the first time mm-hmm. when I was very young and much more sensitive to movies than I am now, and I was terrified of that movie. And I went to bed. Uh, my mom had to stop my dad from coming into my room and pretending to be the Terminator later at night uh, because he thought that would be hilarious. And she decided that I don't. I don't want him screaming and running into the bedroom later on, so you're not going to do that. But so I definitely and so. uh, But did they ever do it on Christmas Eve? No, they never did it on Christmas Eve. That is true. And I will say, but I will say, I I might grither my kids. Okay. Would you grither your kids? No. (laughs) I would try to establish a relationship of trust. I would establish a relationship of fucking with my kids. I think. Okay, sure. Yeah. As Dad walks away after he's torn up Stepha's picture of the grither, mm-hmm. Stepha shouts that he didn't finish the story. Yeah. And Mom is about to chide her. The wind blows the door open. Oh the my wind God. is fierce. It's knocking over people. Uncle Mike is blown into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Jimbo somehow fights against the wind to shut the door. Yeah. And here is there's an immediate tone shift. Mm-hmm. It becomes an abrupt tone shift. It becomes it's like the temperature drops to zero. Oh yeah. Um Jimbo shuts the door. And my horror loving heart started beating way faster. And here you realize like this the episode could have ended where it did. Oh yeah. It, it could, could have, have done it yeah. could have just been like oh it's and here's another thing I wanted to bring up earlier but forgot. Okay. Telling scary stories on Christmas Eve or around the Christmas season is an old tradition. Yeah, it's one that's not really practiced in America anymore, but no, it used but to be a big part. That's where more, a Christmas carol comes from. Exactly, because yeah. ghost stories, specifically ghost stories, mm-hmm. are associated with Christmas. Yeah. So again, this is sort of harkening back to an older tradi- tradition. Yes. That's why it's totally fine to watch this Krampus, Black Christmas, any yes. other Christmas horror movies you want to watch around the holidays. It's a tradition! Yes. So, and again, here's where all the wholesomeness drops. Here's where mm-hmm. it just the bottom drops out. Mm-hmm. Stefa screams that it was the grither. Yes. And Mom says, of course it wasn't. Suddenly, two monstrous, gigantic hands... The timing on the edit is perfect. Connected to two long, long arms, Mm. burst through two separate windows, and grab the parents by the heads. Jimbo and Stepha watch, screaming. The parents are screaming. Mm -hmm. The grither snaps their necks, and they fall dead into their chairs. Uncle Mike asks what that was, and Stepha is about to answer. Before Jimbo screams at her not to say the name. Don't say the name. Don't say it. Don't think it. Stepha says, and I fucking hate this line. Uh Uh-huh. It sure wasn't Santa Claus, but here's where the camera pulls out yeah. to show Stepha standing in the center of the frame. Stanley Kubrick's perfect in yes. the center of the frame. Flanked by the two shattered windows oh and the sitting corpses of her parents. It's like the ending of Phantasm. It's so effective. And we hold on this shot for long, long seconds. And... Christmas music is playing, mm-hmm. and it ends. 
God damn. Holy fucking shit. How do you make a Christmas episode where you kill the parents in front of their children on Christmas Eve? It's so metal. It's so fucked up. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god. And I love that they don't explain it. I love that no. there's no explanation at all for why this improv story that the parents came up with. I have my own explanation. Well, yes. I think it's in the title, The Seasons of Belief. Like, right. If you believe in something, it can be true. Which is why the train blew up at the beginning of the, exactly. of the, of the thing. And the parents said, oh, I think it's probably just a warning, which is why the rest of their toys don't break. But then at the end, the little girl still believes in the Grither, even after they've told her mm -hmm. that it's not real. And then, therefore, the Grither does come for them. Well, another aspect I love is that the Grither doesn't kill the children. No. One, because that would be too fucked up to kill the entire family. That would be that would be but, an over-the-top level of fucked up. But two, because the rule of movies, the rule of storytelling... Yeah. generally requires the evildoers to be punished. Especially in short-form horror. Which, in this case, are the parents for scaring their children. Right. And for telling the story. Yes. The Grither kills them. Yeah. He, they, because... He, he knows who... Like Pinhead, he knows who the real uh, perpetrator of... Like Santa... Is. He knows. That's true. Yeah, that's a good, good point. I wish the Grither... I like Krampus. Krampus is great. Krampus is a great movie. I wish Grither... I mean, the, the concept of Krampus, the folklore in general. Oh, you're talking about just the folklore. Yeah. Okay. I th I wish the Grither would have caught on. Yeah, but if it had caught on, I'm going to be selfish for a second, my experience of watching this episode would not have been as great. True. Uh, but you might, we the, might have been able to find it easier. That's true. But my experience of being introduced to the Grither this way, wow. I mean, yeah. I can't... I cannot recommend this episode enough. It's like, so fucking fantastic. Uh, and like, and again, it's not just the the ending is what seals it. The ending but seals the it. Acting. I found the, the ending story. Scary. The acting. The ending is genuine. Like it didn't. I can't you, remember how I felt the first time I saw yeah. it, but it's an unsettling thing. It is, and it comes out of nowhere because when those arms came through the window, I genuinely jumped. Yeah. Like, god damn. Because, like we said, it could have ended with the dad saying there's no such thing yeah. as the Grither. It could and have we just were just telling been... a ghost story. I honestly thought that was what it was going to do with, like, uh, and then the announcer would have something at the end, like Rod Serling, where they're like, no big twist, like at the end of, uh, um, fuck, what's that Halloween, what's that uh, Christmas episode of Twilight Night Zone? of the Meek. Night of the Meek. Like where he he says there's no there's no big twists in this episode just uh, a story about someone about uh, belief in humanity paying off for once or something he says something like that I expected something like that it was like there's no big uh, twist here just the horror of your parents fucking with you or some yeah. shit but no the Grither comes in and snaps their goddamn necks it's... the only thing that could have made it better for me is if the parents' deaths were gorier and I feel weird that I'm always complaining about not enough gore except when imprint happened and I couldn't, <laughs> and I couldn't handle it like a little bitch I but... think it was the perfect level I think yeah. I, I think the because lack were... of gore makes it more unsettling because it feels more... Sure, okay, fair enough. More, like, 
I think... And they're already killing the kid's parents. What more should I be expecting? And the symmetry of the final shot would have been thrown off if there was, like, blood spatter. That's true. That's Um, very true. Yeah. But no, this is an incredible piece of art that unfortunately is getting buried by the sands of time. It is, yeah. And needs to be known... Well, that's what this show is about. Exactly. Is by taking these things that people forget and, like, meet the hollowheads. Yes. And uh, bringing them back up and, and dusting them off and shoving them in people's faces. Exactly. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, um, just if you can hunt down... Uh, you you can you can find Bewitched anywhere. Yes. But if you can hunt down um, Seasons of Belief... And, and and you don't think that you're too spoiled by listening to us talk about it at this Definitely point. Definitely watch it. I've watched Absolutely it s- watch it. I've watched it several times over the years. It always impresses mm-hmm. me. Uh, we're going to be taking a few weeks off. Okay. Not that anybody listens or... <laughs> Not that we don't just randomly take multiple weeks off at yeah, a time. absolutely. But, uh, and we'll be back in the new year. Yes. Uh, we're going to be start having some guests on. Yep. Uh, check us out. On, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Yep. We're on Instagram. You can email us at wivesofweird at gmail.com. Yep. Or uh, you can contact us on any other social media. Send us movies that you think have been left behind by the yes. sands of time. If you have if you are like particularly fascinated by the Dudley Do Right movie, let us know. Yeah, sure. Like <laughs> And if you do listen to the show and you enjoy it, please spread it to your friends, tell people about it. Absolutely. Uh thank you very much and thank you for listening. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Watch out for them grithers. Watch out